The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm the host of former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. We're joined with a special guest, man, a guy that's a part of the pitching staff. That's the hottest team in baseball. The O's are hot. Spencer Watkins, how are we, brother? Johnny, I'm good, brother. Appreciate you having me on. I fired up to get you on, man. And I told you this, I think, a couple days ago. I made a video about you because you have one of the most insane stories of all time. I mean, just making it to the show and all that type of shit. I mean, your baseball reference page looks like a Bible. There's like 100 teams on there. It's, it, it's insane. It's like a roster. So let's go into your story, man. So obviously, I mean, you're with the Tigers. You get released, I believe, by the Tigers. What a fuck up by them. And now you're just carving <laughs> with the Baltimore Orioles. But there's a little bit before that. You were, I believe, a high school coach, correct? And then yeah. then you made it to the show, which is a crime. I mean, you were in the minors then made it to the show. But talk about that. Right. Yeah. So uh, first-year player contract signed with the Tigers in 14 um COVID happened got released at the end of the 2020 season which I had like two weeks left on my contract so they rather than let it play out they just said you know we're gonna release you um so then going into that off season after COVID there was I mean nobody was calling you know we're me and my agent Matthew Gato as you know him personally yeah um we're calling teams left and right saying hey is there any interest you know what do you have available things like that couldn't really find anything so and this was pretty early on in the, in the off season. So, you know, maybe in November, December time. So, you know, we're sitting, I'm sitting there going, all right, well, this is somewhat real. Like we don't know what the future holds. So uh, I was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do outside of baseball. And I've always done lessons and stuff like that. And I've always enjoyed teaching and, and working with the youth and in regards to baseball and everything. Um, and so uh, my old freshman high school coach, who took the head gig at uh, Paradise Valley High School, gave me a call and was just like, hey, I know, you know, you're kind of in between stuff right now. If you want to come out and help, that'd be great. Went out there and started helping them, ended up writing their entire pitching program for their that whole high school from varsity to freshman. And then he asked if I would come on as a full-time coach. And so not knowing what the future held and we hadn't heard from teams, I said, I agreed saying, yeah, I'll come in and I'll become, you know, your pitching coordinator and help out with the freshman JV team, all that type of stuff. Um, and so that was kind of, that was the route I was transitioning into. And then in January, 
it's it's pretty wild i was leaving the gym pretty much the day that i had decided like okay i guess this is it you know like it's time to hang up the cleats like no one's calling there's not spots available you know who knows what the season's even going to look like so leaving the gym i'm not kidding i didn't even get to the first stoplight before i had left the gym already thought about okay i guess we're hanging them up blah blah blah. i was actually driving to the high school at the time um and mike snyder the director of scouting uh just randomly calls me and is like hey um you know we just wanted to kick the tires a little bit see if you know you're still you know available and immediately i was like yes absolutely so he got in contact with matt um, and moved forward from there and within a week i had a contract with the o's and i was out spring training in february but yeah dude i was i was fully ready to transition into you know whatever i had to do to you know provide for my wife and my family and stuff like that but yeah that's wild dude that's a crazy story because um Obviously, me being a guy, fall American, who hung him up, gave up on the dream. It's a, in my opinion, when you hang him up, the only part that I really and I talk about this all the time on the podcast. The only part that I really do miss is the aspect of like just being with the boys. You know, it's like yeah. you're never going to be in a locker room with the guys again. When you decided you were going to quit, besides, like, wh- what was the part that you thought you were going to miss the most? Was it the competing aspect? Was it just being with the guys? Was it like just being able to say you're a professional baseball player, like what part did you miss the most at that time? Yeah. I think, I think you hit it on the head, you know, so much of, of being a baseball player is building camaraderie with your teammates and how much time we spend with each other. I mean, we're together 180 days out of the year, you know, I'm with, I'm with my teammates as much as I'm with my wife. I joke about all the time, you know, it's 50, 50 almost. So I think that aspect of just not being with the guys in the clubhouse atmosphere, grinding each day, you know, knowing the guy next to you is going through the same shit you are. Um, that was a huge thing as well as missing the, the level of competition. I'm a super competitive person. You name it, ping pong, whatever. I'm, you know, fighting to the death kind of a thing. So I think just missing the, the feeling of, of the competitive nature. Definitely. Do you look at guys, and I said this with uh, Brian Baker a couple weeks ago, like, do you look at guys like Adley Rutschman, who has just been the top dog everywhere he goes, and you're like, man, fuck you, bro. Like, I had to fucking coach high school baseball and just <laughs> barely get a kick at the tires, and now I'm here with you, and you were just your whole life top prospect, top player in the system, number one out of the top 100 prospects. Like, do you look at that guy, and you're like, you have no idea how fucking hard it is to make it here. Like, you right. have no idea. Yeah, dude, there's definitely, there's definitely two complete sides of the spectrum. When you look at, at the differences between like me, Bake and, and Rutch and things like that. But, um, you know, I don't, maybe early on in my career, you know, fresh out of college kind of going, you know, well, why isn't I as good? Why didn't I receive what that guy received? You know, kind of a thing. But I think as I've gotten older and played this game longer, I think everybody's path is unique and it happens for a reason. You know, if you would have shoved me in the big leagues four years ago, I wouldn't have been ready, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I think a lot of my long road and everything I had to learn was necessary. You know, and you look at a guy like Rutch who had every tool you could imagine coming out of college and, you know, hey, let's rush him and get him going. So I think there's definitely two sides of the spectrum in terms of like, hey, you didn't grind what I grinded through. But um, also, I think everybody's past unique and, and everybody's path is necessary. Like, does, does Adley know of your, like, Pat? Like, does he know that at one point, like, not even, like, two or three years ago, you were just going to hang him up? Like, does he know that type of shit? Like, are you guys that close enough where he'll, you'll, like, tell – or, he yeah, he just has an idea of your, uh, your upbringing through baseball and stuff? 
Yeah, no, he's he's got a good idea. He's done, He's been super great in getting to know, especially the pitching staff, and getting to know everybody. Um, him and I have kind of hit it off since day one. We have very similar personalities um, and similar interests. So we've we've talked a bunch and got to know each other. And then obviously having the connection, I played in Oregon for two years, and he's from Oregon. So we had mutual friends, mutual contacts, talking about that stuff. But but yeah, I've I've talked with him about my path. He's asked about it, been curious about it. Um, super respectful about it and understanding like, you know, what I went through to get to where I'm at now. And, and he admires that I, I think, and uh, just in talking with him and, and the way he asks questions and what he says. So um, yeah, we've gotten, we've gotten to the point where we've discussed that and we, you know, we've learned a lot about each other off the field as well as on the field. Um, but yeah, one thing he does a great job connecting with everybody. But is there like a little bit of a rivalry there because you two are like the top two, in my opinion, bias aside, like the best looking dudes on the team. Like, is there a little bit of rivalry? Like when you guys are going to field and shit, like who, like what female fans are cheering for who more? Like when you two are like, when you're on the bump and he's catching, like, is there a little bit of a rivalry and maybe just like, you notice like an upbringing in the female attendance when Adley's playing and shit like that. That's why I said to Brian Baker, he's just might be the best looking dude of all time. For sure. Yeah. I'd like to take a little credit for the looks because, uh, I took him to the barbershop so we could get his hair cleaned up a little bit. You know, he had, he had the good length, but we needed to get it shaped and, and get looking good, especially how much he takes his catcher's, catcher's mask off. But, um, yeah, so it, it is funny. We do joke about it all the time. There's definitely a larger female following in the stands whenever Rutch is either in town, at, you know, when we're in Chicago or whatever, or, you know, just playing that day in Baltimore. Um, yeah, he's, he's what we like to call a man rocket for sure. Oh, he's a man rocket. And, and the greatest thing about that is, is I have a funny story about Rutch. So when he was in the minors, I, I'm not going to name drop who sent me this, but there was just an absolute smoke show that posted on her Instagram story. Thanks, Ali Rutschman for the tickets. The DMs, the DM was sent to me and this guy, I mean, this guy just fucking wheels. I mean, it, he, he is, he's that dude. Like it's incredible to see that. Does he, does he have that type of confidence in the clubhouse too? Like when you see that type of dude, even if is your wife looking out, like that's a good looking dude. Like that's that, that is a good looking man. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's probably one of the most humble people you've ever met in your life. I think he's got an idea that he's got a little rocket in him, but he doesn't like portray it. Like, Hey, I'm the best, I'm the best fucking looking dude <laughs> on this team. You know, he'd walk around with his chest puffed out. He just does that naturally. Um, but uh, no, he's the kid. The kid's a pretty impressive young man um, in terms of just how he carries himself. You know, he's obviously a very successful human being, a very good looking human being. But he just I mean, the way he handles himself is phenomenal. And, and yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, plenty of interest coming in, but he does a really good job um, with just kind of making sure that he's not just, you know, giving the attention to whoever, you know, he's, he's got a good idea of who, of who he's looking to spend his time with and things like that, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. Good for him, man. And I, and I want to talk about that uh, Camden yards right now, because I was watching the game yesterday and man, you're like, just the attendance in general is, is, is upticking like crazy. Cause obviously listen, I'm a Jays guy. I'm a massive Jays fan before when you step into Camden yards, it was just going to be a slot. Like it was going to be a slaughtering of the Baltimore world, obviously like back, like when they were rebuilding and stuff like that. Now that rebuild has been rushed. Like you guys are actually a wagon like that. That bullpen I talked about with Baker is insane. This Bautista guy, by the way, is fucked. Like he just throws a hundred <laughs> out of the pet. It's, it's the most mental thing I've ever it's seen. Like a cheat code. Dude. He's it's not fair that dude, he really isn't like I would die to have him in Toronto. It's like, 
you notice uh, like the fans are starting to slowly, slowly increase. Where like at some point this year, if you guys keep this shit up, it's just going to be sold out every game. Hundred percent, dude. It's I mean, just in the difference from last year to this year, like I mean, damn. Between every pitch, you could hear your thoughts. You know, out on the mound. Now in Camden Yards, I mean, dude, that place holds less than majority of the places we've gone to, and is possibly twice twice as loud at half capacity. Wow. I mean, these fans are insane, bro. They, you know, I mean, every last year, you know, you'd have, you could hear three separate fans cheering at the same time. Now you can't hear yourself think out on the field because fans are just going insane. And then not to mention Camden Yards just echoes incredibly well, but dude, I mean, what a difference and what an experience to experience what Birdland is. I've had so many people uh, message me saying, Hey, so glad you're getting a new experience, you know, a packed house at Camden with, you know, you know, a team that's doing well and the following that's really pushing for you guys. So it's a, it's a really cool experience and it's, it's, it's pretty wild, pretty it's, wild how incredible these fans are. I like, I love that stadium. The only thing is I'm really pissed off about that change in left field. Like what was your first impression <laughs> of like the, the fence being moved back? I mean, you're a pitcher, so it's like, fuck yeah. Like, let's go sure. more balls in the park, but sure. does it look weird? I've not, obviously never been to Camden Yard, so I have no idea like how it looked originally, but does it look weird the first time you saw it? So when they were saying they were doing it, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, they're moving it. What was it, like 10 feet back or something like that? Maybe it was probably more than that. Um, but I was like, okay, like, yeah, that'll adjust a little bit. Don't think it'll be too much, too, too crazy or whatever. And then the first day that we got to Camden, everybody walked out and looked at it and was just like, holy fuck, <laughs> what did they just do? Cause I mean, it is, it's, it's colossal, bro. Have you seen it in person yet? No, I've never seen it in person. I've never been to Camden Yards. Oh, you haven't been in person. Okay. Well, if you get a chance, dude, I mean, it is, it, this wall is pretty ridiculous looking i'll be honest it's like they moved it way far back they raised it up i mean it's it's pretty wild but i also do think it adds a better aspect to the game in camden because dude last last year you jam a dude thumbs got left in the box and that ball six rows up and wow the ball would just fly to left field there so it granted has it taken away a lot of home runs for sure um, I still think the ones that would have gotten got anyways were going out. So it's it's definitely a hitter's friendly left field now or a pitcher's friendly left field now. But I think there's still room to play in terms of like short porch and right ball flies in Camden. So I think it kind of balances itself out. What was it like going up against like a Cy Young favorite five days ago? Because or not five days ago, whenever it was, I think it was like four. Yeah, 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 McClanahan. Because I mean, obviously. We're talking about two different paths. McClanahan has been like stroked off his whole career minorly. Like he was top prospect, all that type of shit. You're the type of guy that obviously left from an org and they did like they released you. And now you you kind of have that resurgence in your career and you're going up against Shane McClanahan and you guys won. Was that like crazy to go toe to toe with that type of guy? Just like it was, it was awesome to watch. I watched the whole game. It was sick. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's uh, I would say earlier on in my career, um, there was a, there would be a little more nerves. So, and, you know, going like, Oh shit, I'm squaring off against this dude. Who's, you know, established he's legit, you know, um, now I feel a little bit more of a, uh, an ease in, in a sense of like, okay, I, yes, he's awesome. Yeah. He's incredible. I still have my job I got to do. Um, but there's also, there was a little, maybe a little bit more pressure of knowing, you know, I got to do whatever I can to keep this game as tight as possible. Um, you know, because I know Shane's going to go out and put up 
fucking video game numbers for six, seven innings, yeah. maybe eight innings. Um, so I got to do, I, I knew I had to do whatever I could to give my team a chance to stay close, give an opportunity. So there may be a little more pressure there, but, um, you know, I'd say earlier on in the career is definitely more of a focal point. Now it's a little bit more just like, okay, I understand what's going on. Let's keep going. And even like the changes you've made from like June to when you like to when you got called back up in July, it's fucking mm-hmm. wild. Like obviously early in the year, you're struggling a little bit, leaving balls up and getting, getting hit around a little bit. And now you're just fucking unhittable. Like your last, I believe it was your last six starts. You've only given up six runs, which is yeah. fucking absurd, by the way, which is crazy. <laughs> so what's like the biggest difference you've noticed now? Like the, when you went back down and then you came back up, were you just realizing like some pitches you were throwing? Like, did you scrap a pitch? Like, did you just like, I'm not throwing this shit anymore? Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a, when I got hit in the arm and was on the aisle for those couple weeks and then got optioned right after that, it was almost kind of a, a reset. You know, like the beginning of the year was so rushed. There was a lot of uncertainty in spring training. I didn't know what was going on. So mentally, I was just kind of all over the place. Um, and then just grinding through, you know, again, that beginning part of the season, a lot of uncertainty. Who knows if they're going to bring guys up, what they're going to do. Just a whole mental mess. So when I got hit and sent down on the IL, I had like, essentially it gave me like two weeks to mentally reset and physically work on things. So my focus was mentally reset, um, which I did that by working with our, our team psychologist, our mental skills coach, just like, how can I minimize my mental piece to where I'm not, you know, thinking about this than that? Cause I'm a chronic overthinker when it comes to mechanics and pitch design and yeah. pitch selection. Um, so I'm not thinking about 15 different things on the mound. I just simplified my thought process. Um, and then physically I was able to just kind of clean up a few things just to get myself on time. And that made a big difference, but the mental piece of just focusing on one pitch at a time has been the hugest thing and not worrying about, Oh shit, I missed two pitches, you know, the last two. And now we're two and Oh, now we're down. Now we're behind the count two Oh. Now I got to make a pitch or it's going to get hit, you know, 600 feet. That was my thought press before. Now it's like, okay, it's two Oh, don't even think about what happened. Now I understand. I still got to throw a cutter up in the wind here or, you know, whatever I got to do and just, just simplifying it and, and not allowing the loop is what I call it to get too big. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed also is like you've turned into like a walking pitching ninja video. Like I said that to Tyler Glass now, like a couple of years ago, he's always all over <laughs> pitching ninja. But like you are all over pitching ninja now. Like you're like some of your shit is crazy. And I, I know you went to driveline because I believe yep. that's what Gata did tell me. Uh, yep. You went to driveline and stuff like that. Driveline gets a bad rap, by the way, from the old heads like Jeff Fry on Twitter, who blocked me, by the way, because I guess he heard the podcast and me calling him a fucking loser. But whatever. <laughs> Um, what's, what's, what, what's the difference you noticed just from driveline? Like, what did they tell you? Do they tell you you have nasty shit and then you're just like, you're just not using it effectively. Like, what do they tell you? Yeah. So we had a good plan going into it. We did the whole mocap where they put the dots on you and you throw and your sliders and they, you know, track all your movement and everything. Um, and so we did all that. And then their development team had a good plan of understanding, okay, how can we maximize your arsenal? Exactly what you were saying is here's what you got. Here's how we can maximize or add or subtract or whatever we need to do to make these pitches play the best. So a big focus that we thought of was um, getting my curveball to where it needed to be, which has made it and the usage has gone down a little bit, but having that curveball um, has been a good option where I don't necessarily need to use a changeup That's not graded out as one of my best pitches. So that gives me more opportunity, more ability to slow a hitter down 
making my fastball play a little bit better. On top of that, we discussed a little bit about my cutter's always been my cutter. That's just been a feel piece and just understanding. And that's more what the work I've done here with Holton Holmes with our analytics team and everything and just maximizing that. That's been more here than driveline. But and then a driveline, we talked about adding a slider and another pitch that's a little more east to west. And that's what they brought to me here once I got to Baltimore uh, this year is they've added that sweeping slider. And if you watch on the broadcast, it gets tagged as curveballs a lot. But it's usually in like the 78 to 80 range, and my curveball will be like 75, 77. Um, but that sweeper is just added even more of a front to back where it's keeping guys off my fastball and it's giving me an east to west option. Um, so a lot of those just additions on top of what we did at driveline with cleaning up mechanics, maximizing power, you know, up in the velo, things like that, just uh, all of that together has been the recipe for where some success is lying. Would you say the nastiest pitch you threw this year was to Elvis Andrus in Oakland? You, do you remember exactly what pitch I'm talking about, too? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is one of the most, like, that, and you're not doing that to, like, a bum who just got in the, like, this is a long-time grizzled MLB <laughs> bet. After you threw that pitch to Elvis Andrus, were you like, oh, my God. Like, he yeah. wasn't even, he, someone get his jock strap in the fucking batter's box. Like, that was right. insane. Right, dude. And that, so, the funny thing about that is that's one of the first times I threw that cutter. So I learned that, or that cutter, I learned that slider the week prior to that Oakland start. Wow. It was in my bullpen. Well, really two days prior. It was in my bullpen session. And then you just, that was the first time, one of the first times yeah. you threw that. And then after you threw that, we were like, I'm going to start using this fucking yeah, pitch like, all oh, the time shit. now. Okay. We got something. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking wild, dude. Because yeah, obviously, I mean, this year you've had crazy, like way more success like then you've had obviously last year and stuff like that. Is it because of the pitching ninja or is it just like being, or not pitching ninja, sorry. Is it because of the drive line or like, wh wh what do you think? Like what's the success happening for? Like what's, what's the reasoning behind it? I think, I think there's a train of things. I think it started with the preparation we did at drive line and understanding what's going to maximize my arsenal and what improvements are going to help. Um, and then on top of that, just the work we've done in season of, adding that slider along with just a matter of knowing how to use my shit, understanding the cutter plays off the slider, um, understanding the elevated cutter plays off the curveball, the fastball can be used off those tunnels. Like I'm just starting to really grasp what my arsenal does and how it, uh, how it works with each other and not just this pitch, you know, individually it's okay. This pitch really plays with this pitch and this one does with this one. So that's been a big difference. It, it's, I mean, yeah, it, it, your stuff has been just like that race start. I think it was the, the start you had before the race start against the Cubs was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you're, <laughs> was that, would you say that was your best big league start or was it that one or the White Sox game? Like, what start do you think you had the best success in, like in your whole career? Um, I think that Cubs start, that Cubs start's definitely up at the top because that's some of the most growth I've felt in myself in terms of, controlling traffic um you know controlling the mental game like we talked about before of just kind of you know not allowing you know a loud crowd and you know runners on base and stuff to you know get you out of your game so definitely that one the white Sox game for sure was really solid um the twins game the minnesota twins start i thought that was one of my overall best starts in terms of stuff command you know control all that type of shit 
And fan, oh, Orioles fans are ruthless. Like, I mean, have you started to notice like a little bit more of a positive vibes towards you, like better DMs, better tweets towards you with more success you're having? Because those motherfuckers are ruthless. Like, they don't give ruthless. a fuck. Ruthless, ruthless. Yeah, absolutely. They, it's, I mean, shit. They live, they live their life on the fucking side of a quarter. It's, um, it's definitely transitioned towards a more positive um, following this year i mean as a whole for the team individually everybody else um but of course you know if you don't go seven shetty with 100 strikeouts you're probably getting a few nasty ones but that's a part of the the industry but um yeah there's this this fan base is very passionate and you, you feel it from day to day yeah I mean, they are they are very passionate. You're talking about that Cubs start. So funny story. I, I was at the Jays game that day, and my buddy, this is this is just uh, this is my this is like just like a common fan type thing. My buddy was like, he made a whole video bet on the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are a law. All this type of shit. And I looked at him. I'm like, I don't. I was like, Watkins is pitching. Like, I would not even think about doing that. And then you happen to body bag him and just make him look like the biggest idiot on the internet after what you did to the fucking Oriole or Cubs. So I just wanted to thank you for that because that was just electric <laughs> type of shit. Because I just got to be like, what a fucking dummy. I get to roast him online and I get to pump your tires in the pod. It was great. So I just want oh, to yeah. thank you for that. But do you notice a lot of that with like the more gambling being legalized and shit? You're getting a lot of DMs by people like. I have over your strikeouts or I, you guys to win and all that type of stuff. Oh yeah, dude. I'll get, I'll get DMS before, you know, a day before or the day of saying, Hey, you know, I've got you on this line or Hey, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, you definitely get a lot more after the game, yeah. especially depending on how the results are, you know, you could have a great start, but you don't hit the line on strikeouts and you've got, you know, 20 DMS of, people at your throat just because you know they lost some money so yeah there's there's definitely that aspect for sure it's so funny dude i love it i, I find it the fun i wish i played a sport that people could gamble on because i would just be a massive dickhead about all this shit <laughs> like i would just be the biggest <laughs> asshole of all time i love it but it is it is wild man like i i hear a lot of it during games too like you sometimes hear heckling of people like i need one more strikeout or type of shit like that so it is funny i do love yes. the gambling incorporation of it but you also got to face Shohei Otani. I believe that was last year or this year. I don't remember when it was. Both, I think yeah. it was both, both. What's it like? Like, what is the presence that that dude has in the batter's box? Like facing him? Because obviously he's one of the best athletes in the world because he can hit and pitch at elite levels. Right. What's it like facing him in the batter's box? Yeah. I mean, what a, first off, it's an honor to face a guy like him. I mean, getting to play the Angels, facing a guy like him and Trout, you know, in a lineup um, as a baseball fan you know, that's an honor, but, um, yeah, dude, he's, he's humongous. He is massive and he like, he's tall, but he's also wide. And like, you look at him and he, in his setup, it looks like he's like, if you throw a fastball in the fucking left-handed batter's box, yeah. he's going to find a barrel to it. Somehow he can cover every, like, it's just, when you look at him, there's some guys that you look at and you're like, I don't think he can cover the outer half. You look at him and you're like, this guy can cover to the dugout. Like you're not missing anywhere without him getting a barrel to it. So he has that kind of presence. Um, but uh, just like any other hitter, it's, it's a game of trying to figure out what he's trying to do. So, you know, yeah, there's at the beginning, you know, you, the first pitch you throw, you're like, I hope he doesn't get a barrel to this and you can, you know, sneak one by or whatever, because he's that impressive. Um, but just like any other hitter, once you get dialed into the AV, it's a matter of just trying to figure out what he's trying to do. And that's something he's really good at is he's able to do multiple things within an at-bat, whether it's, you know, turn and burn or sit on a changeup and take it the other way. 
it's and for the people listening to this, let's be fucking let let's stop being humble here. I mean, Shohei's over four against you, or over three this year. <laughs> I mean, you're you're his father. Like you are, he's over three against you. The guy hasn't got any barrels. He's over three. He's not buzzing. But I'm gonna keep you. I'm gonna keep you humble a little bit here. Mike Trout is two for three against you. Like what? Yes, it, what is the seek? Because I think he has, or this year he's two for three with two home runs against you. What is the seek? Like, is it just you? He's just so good at hitting like one mistake, or he just covers the plate so well. Like, what's what's the difficulty of facing Mike Trout? Yeah, with Mike Trout, he doesn't really have any holes anywhere. There's a small hole you can exploit up and in, which after that first home run, I was able to you know, grab and find a, find a strikeout for me with him. But, um, and, uh, but yeah, with him, it's like any mistake is going to get punished. His swing is just so compact, so quick that he can get to any mistake and any mistake around play. So like, you know, the first, I think, was it the first pitch or was one of the pitches, it was a fastball middle down a little bit to the outer half. And that's just a honey hole for his swing. So you know, he just put a good swing on it. I didn't execute my best pitch, but what I was able to do is, you know, get a few, you know, get that slider down early in the zone or early in the AB. And then I was able to sneak a fastball up and in by him um, for a strikeout. And I was able to just maximize that, but I hit it in like the perfect blue square for our analytics system that shows, Hey, you can go here without, you know, getting, giving up too much damage. And then, you know, I thought I had him. Okay, cool. I've got him you know, I, money. I've got him with an elevated fastball. The next day, I throw a first pitch curveball. He hits it 500 feet. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those where it's just you tip your cap at the guy. He's that good. It's a matter of just executing. It's wild. Like, so as a pitcher, I always wonder this because obviously I was dog shit at baseball. After you, after a pitch leaves your hand, obviously it's such a small time frame. Right are you away. like, oh, fuck. Like, right oh, oh, God. Really? A hundred percent, dude. Every time a ball is absolutely demolished, whether it's a mistake, uh, mostly mistakes, you can tell earlier, but as soon as the ball leaves my hand, it's like an, Oh fuck. <laughs> it just, it's like, dude, it, it, you can ask pretty much majority of pitchers know that feeling of like, as soon as it leaves your hand, you're just like, I've felt this before. I know what the results come after this and then just fucking, and it's even worse when it's like a guy like fucking Mike Trout because you know he's not missing a mistake ever. Nope. Like you can get away with the bottom of the order guys maybe a little bit. They won't hit a mistake as bad. But when it's Mike yep. Trout, you're just in your head. You're like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake. Was that the, is that the furthest home run you've given up ever is to Mike Trout? Um, no, I think Buxton got me the furthest. It was 3-0 fastball earlier in the year. He went over the bullpens in Camden. That dude's not fair, though. That dude. He's, he's unbelievable. He's an, inc- an incredible athlete. Incredible. He's just so good, dude. Like, he is insane. He really, like, I, I genuinely don't know how that dude doesn't hit, like, 50 home runs a year and hits, like, 350. I guess because he unreal. had injury problems, maybe. That might be it. That was like, always a thing. And I remember, like, coming up through the minors and everything, always hearing about Buxton, 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 and, like, never seeing him because he was hurt, you know, here and yeah. there, all this stuff. And then getting to see him play in person this year, I mean, he is incredible. It's impressive. It's sick. What's your what's your favorite part about being a starting pitcher? Because I actually talked about this with Brian Baker, and he said being a relief pitcher is substantially better than being a starter because you like you you get to chill with the boys in the dugout and the bullpen, and then it's like, all right, I'm in the game, you know. And then you're only you get to let it eat for an inning or two innings, and then yeah. you're done. So like, yeah. 
what's your favorite part of being a starting pitcher? Is it being, is it having to like, is it being able to get after with the boys the day after maybe have a couple beers, not to worry about doing anything responsible the night, like the next day or like what, what's your favorite thing about being a starting pitcher? Um, I'm super like routine oriented. So like having the ability to know, okay, this day I've got this, the next day I've got this, this day is this. And then the following day is game day, you know? So like being able to map out my week, each rotation every fifth day um, maximizes how I can approach my week and how can I, I can approach my preparation. Um, but also like when I pitched in the bullpen, it's really nice. Cause just like Bake said, it's simple, you know, you kick it with the boys and then it's a matter, you don't have to stress about, okay, I've got to start in five days or I got to start in three days. It's just a matter of like your daily, your daily preparation that you go out and then you're in there for an inning, you let it eat and then you're done, you know? So there's, there's, you know, you, the scale is pretty even on that way. But I think for me, the best thing, the, the most thing I enjoy about being a starting pitcher is the um, ability to have a plan and have that all preparation. But obviously having a chance after a good start to go out and, and have a few beverages and, and catch. Well, you could be honest. It's also the aspect. It's the aspect of being able to just sit in the dugout and pack a fucking hammer and just watch baseball three or four days out of the week and then pitch the other one. Hell yeah. That's the greatest thing of all time. Like, I I genuinely do think it's the sickest thing because obviously, like, I was with Musgrove this week and he came up, like, uh, we met after the game and we went out and stuff like that. Just the aspect of, like, you could have a beer or whatever, just, like, sit in the dugout, just, like, fuck off and go in the clubhouse and do whatever you want because you know there's no responsibility that day is just the greatest like weight lifted off your shoulders of all time. It's sick. Truly, truly. It's yeah. Like you get, you get, you show up to the field that day, say, Hey, you know, I got a workout or whatever, get your workout done, get your treatment done. And then it's just chill. And then you get to just kick back. Like you said, throw a hammer in, relax for nine innings, chill with the boys, chill with the other starters, hang out, talk shit with the position players, you know, all that shit. It's fun. And Kevin Gossman on the Jays, he packs dips while he's pitching. Have you ever done that before? Is that like a, is that, you have, the how hard is that? Days. Oh, your college days. Okay. So you haven't done it in the show because Kevin Gossman, after every appearance, when he's walking the dugout, he rips his dip out and then throws it, but packs a new one the next inning. So he's a, a psychopath, obviously. He's oh, nasty. Yeah, shit. yeah. He's a psychopath of that. You've never done that in the show. Like, how do you, no. how do they do that shit? It's impossible. Dude, that, that blows my mind. I could probably do it. The one I think of the most is uh, Matt Harvey. Like, I would throw. Oh, God. Yes, dude. He pops <laughs> hammers. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how they do that. I mean, shit. I got, I, I think my wife would lose her fucking mind, though, when it comes to <laughs> she thought we were the fucking dipping on the mound during a game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, that would be a tough look, man. I do love that shit because obviously like the common fan, like the common man, it's just like, let's fucking go. Like, I'm a Wadi guy. Now. I got to, <laughs> that's what made me a Gossman guy and what makes me like a Jose Abreu it's, guy. Uh, it's culture. It's fucking old school baseball. Yeah, it's old school. Like, it, it's just the great – I love it. I, I'm just dialed in on it. But the thing is, is like, I noticed that so easily because Jose Abreu is crazy with that. I don't know if you've seen – you've probably seen it. He packs absurd. Like, it's like a full oh, yes. tin in his He's lower lip. Yeah. 
who's who's that guy on the Orioles? Like, who's your guy? That, like, who's the designated dip guy on the Orioles that like the fans obviously have like adopted to just being the dip guy, like the massive hammer guy? Probably, probably Rugi. Oh fuck! I love that dude. He's electric. He's the fucking dude. man. He is the man. <laughs> Rugi Odor. If I could have a have a choice, I would pick that guy first overall for every team I played on. <laughs> just i hated of him a, so long fucking, ago i teammate, hate him. right he's he is the guy that you hate unless he's on your team and like i an totally enforcer. understand that he yeah is, he's like an he enforcer of hockey yeah exactly right like he's he's the best teammate he's the best leader uh you know i mean he's at where he's at in his career so he does a great job kind of being that platoon infielder even though he's slid into this everyday starter right now um he does a great job with that i mean he's just He's fucking hilarious. He, he's always fucking around, keeping the keeping everybody loose. Um, he's always down to go party a little bit with the boys. I mean, he's just an all time dude. Truly, truly great guy. It's awesome, man. It's it's sick because like my favorite part of it is is like uh, what I love doing is I, I just love seeing like that they're common people and they like to go out and stuff like that. And yes. uh, I just love the fact that some teams have like a designated group of guys that go out when it's like an off day or shit like that. Who's your crew? Like, who's the crew that you usually go out with or will go for dinner with after games and stuff like that on the team? Um, let's see. A few times. The main crew is definitely like uh, Dean Kramer. Legend. Uh, and I hang out a lot um, along with like Bruce Zimmerman when he was up here. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go out with Rutch. Um, we took Rutch out for his first night out um, when, after he first came up. He was, you know, riding the wave a little bit and hit some peaks and valleys. And so um, I was talking with Mancini and he was like, hey, we got to get Rutch out. We got to get him, you know, away from the field. He let him reset a little bit. So one night we went out and that was the last. Um, so we did that and then we'll do dinners. You know, we had a big group in Chicago. We went out, we got, we rented a boat and went out and got food and did all that stuff. And that was like Torino's, Mancini, Bautista, Crable, Baker was there, um, you know, good, different, good crew like that. But you know, what's cool about this team is everybody gets along. There's really not like a set crew. That's only the ones that do everything. It's like, yeah. there's mixtures of everybody throughout. That's wild that Bautista's up there. Cause that dude, like you want to talk about guys that probably need like 40 beers to get drunk. It's that dude. Like that dude is, <laughs> hey, I was watching beer. him yesterday. He was like in the, the post game line. He is just towering over ever. It's not even close. It's just like him. And then like a bunch of little leaguers around this dude. He's, he's amazing. Bro, drinking a beer is like having a soda for a four-year-old drink. He's got to, he needs some fucking whiskey. <laughs> he's so electric, dude. And he comes out of the pen. And what's so funny about him is he'll come out of the pen and it's the most effortless 99 to 100 you've ever seen. It's like I do, I, mountaintop. Yeah, I do this shit in my sleep. And you could tell. And then he'll throw like a banger. I think it's a curveball or a sl- I don't know what he it's what a it slider is. Slider and a splitter. It's a slider. Yeah, he'll throw like a banger slider, banger splitter. And it's like these hitters have no, they're sitting 100 mile an hour fastball. And next thing you know, they're butt. What he did yesterday to the Tampa Bay Rays was some criminal shit. Like they that- didn't stand a fucking chance. That was consistently the most ugly swings I've ever seen hitters take. He hit. is, he's wild. Like Bautista, uh, like, and first of all, where did this dude come from? Was he like a massive prospect for them? Like, where, what, what happened? Like, how, how did this dude make it to the show? Do you know? He, he was in, was he in somebody else's organization? I can't remember. He was either in somebody else's organization or he's been with the O's the whole time. 
and was a guy that was in the Dominican forever, um, threw pretty hard, but struggled with command. And then uh, I guess he just, like one year, he just kind of figured it out. They brought him over to the States and he just kept learning and learning. And then all of a sudden, the last two years, he's just shot through the system. I mean, he didn't end up in AAA last year until really the end of the year. And he was pretty good, but he was walking a lot of guys, stuff like that. And then whatever happened, whatever he did this offseason, he made the team out of camp. And it was, I mean, he's just been. Another thing about Bautista that's like crazy to me is the fact that like he's kind of off the radar and his stuff should not be off the radar type of stuff. Like this is a dude that, in my opinion, I could genuinely make the case he's the best reliever in the like the American League East. Like him and Lopez and those type of guys are just maybe Romano on the Jays as well. But this dude is is just flying under the radar, maybe because he's playing in Baltimore, but it is crazy. Like, do you ever take a step back and watch him pitch? And you're like, if I had this dude shit, I, I couldn't imagine how, how cocky I'd fucking be. Cause I'd be the biggest piece of shit ever. <laughs> if I was him, I'd be the biggest piece of shit of all time. <laughs> Dude. I, right now, Felix Bautista and Clay Holmes are the best relievers in baseball, especially in the AL East. hundred percent. I mean, they're un, they're unbelievable, but yeah, I mean, he, he, you're totally right. He's completely under the radar. And I think that's just because he hasn't had a huge like following coming up. He's kind of just come out of nowhere. Um, but I really don't understand now that we're four months into the season, how they haven't done a feature on this guy for a 102 mile an hour fastball with 24 inches of hop and then it's, a bastard slider and splitter. It's like, just fucked. It, it, fucked is the only word that you can only phrase that you can use for explaining this. It, you're it's fucked and you're fucked as a hitter. <laughs> It's dude, the thing like I'm looking at his stats here. All right. The guy has a 1.5 ERA, all right, which is absurd. 42 like innings pitch, innings. 55 <laughs> fucking strikeouts in 42 innings, 11.8 per nine. This guy. It's like when he's in the game, if you're a starter, right? Like obviously a guy like you, like you go six. When you see this guy come out of the pen, are you just like, all right, look, I'm chilling? Like that's it. Like we, we this is a dub here because he does first of all. He doesn't yeah. blow games. Obviously, clearly his ERA is 150. And yesterday, he inherited, I think, two Baker runners, second and third, two outs. They took Baker out. And this guy just first pitch ground ball to second base. It's like, what the fuck? Like, if I'm a hitter, it's like, bring a sword up to the plate. Yeah, dude, it's like, as a hitter, you're just so outmatched. Like, like really, even some of the best hitters in the world, like, you're just, you're going up there hoping, hoping you can hit a baseball with his shit so i mean it's what a, what a what a value he holds but i mean just how crucial he is to have like you said a guy like him a guy like baker a guy like crable everybody in that bullpen comes in us starters we're like fuck yeah our day is done we're set like the boys have it from here it's just it's sick because obviously man i, I it's all, all obviously it's unreal for the game of baseball when the baltimore Orioles are good you guys have the third best bullpen in baseball like yeah the third best bullpen in baseball, and by the way, I said this on my The Jays podcast I do, the Boston Red Sox are are poverty. Like, they're a pathetic team. Like, you guys are going to, like, sooner or later, it, like, it, the, the cream's going to rise to the top. You guys are going to, like, those games at Camden are going to be wild. Like, going towards the end of the season, you guys keep this shit up, like the playoff race and stuff like that. Oh, dude. It's, it's going to be wild, man. And then another guy that's also you got to shine a light to in the bullpen is Lopez, man. I mean, oh, yeah. all-star. Uh, Brian Baker talked about like the influence he has on the pitchers in the organization and stuff like that and on the team. But 
What's it been like just you get to see like an all-star come out of the bullpen because he's also been like, so having Bautista set up him is you might as well just not even play the rest of the game. Yeah, dude, it's like, it's pretty unbelievable because you have a guy like Bautista come out and you see the ugly swings that he attracts. And then you got Lopi coming in after that, who's possibly better, you know? I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing, but Jorge Lopez, I mean, first off, what a human being, the shit he's gone through um, with, you know, the, the stuff with his family and, and, and son, which how cool, I don't know if you've been able to follow that, how cool it's been for Michael to be, you know, in the clubhouse with us after he's been going through his health stuff. Um, so all around, just a, what a phenomenal year for that family. And then, uh, yeah, Jorge Lopez, I mean, he he's a leader in that bullpen. So I'm sure Bake filled him in plenty on, you know, what he means to those guys and, and how he's, you know, spreading his knowledge and stuff like that. But I mean, dude, 99 to 100 mile an hour, 20 inch horizontal sinker with You're bastard so curveball. I don't get it. Like, dude, it's mine. Like, that's what I'm saying. You got him coming in after Bautista, and he might even be, have better shit. You know, it's like, it's just, it's unbelievable. And that's what, you know, I mean, fuck, you could say that about any guy in that bullpen. Joey Crable's disgusting. Bake is elite. CNL Perez is unhittable. I mean, it, he, it's I don't nonstop. get it. I don't fucking get it because listen, I'm a massive Jays guy, and I always talk about this in the podcast. Like, if you gave the Blue Jays the Orioles bullpen, they would be the best team to ever walk on the face of the earth because their lineup is so good, and then you just have an elite bullpen because the Jays bullpen, I believe, is like bottom twelve in the league. Yeah, it's yeah. so stupid how good your bullpen. Is. Like, it's crazy, it's crazy because, and it's and that's the hardest part of the game to build is the bullpen. So you guys Absolutely. already got that down pat. And the starting pitcher is starting to show up. By the way, Dean Kramer, this dude is fucking lights out as well. This guy's unreal. So he's so nasty. He's just so good. Like and by, and <laughs> the whole team, the all, all pitchers you guys have are good. And I think it's a it's. I, I said that with this with Baker. I think it's because of that pitching coach you guys picked up from the Astros, right? What's his name? Holt. Yes, I've heard he's just like one of the best Chris pitching Holt. coaches in baseball. Yeah, dude, it's it's been a phenomenal combination between. Holt's knowledge and ability to see things and address things in terms of like where we can maximize ourselves analytically, where where we can maximize ourselves for pitch selection. I mean, he's an incredibly smart human being, incredible pitching coach. He offers so much to us. And then on top of that, we have the addition or we have uh, to work along with him is Darren Holmes guys pitched, you know, 12 plus years in the big leagues guys done it firsthand he's got an incredible eye for the mechanical side and as well as just like, you know, little, little nuggets here and there. I mean, I, I try and soak in as much from both of those guys um, as much as I can. And like just yesterday I was talking only and I've been working on my backside load and it's just simple things. He might say that might click, you know, more than someone you know, something I've heard from years past or, you know, whatever it is, same with Holt, you know, he might bring something to us analytically that might just click and might help us, you know, that's what that's what these guys have done such a good job of just unlocking everything for each guy. And speaking about yesterday's game, we got to talk about Trey Mancini. I mean, <laughs> another the, the same goat. dude, the, the same goat. the goat, the same dude had a bet on Trey Mancini's over bases, which was one and a half. He was at one pop up to right field. Apparently, he was like, "Oh fuck, I lost this bet." Outfielder looks up and just gets a right hook to the fucking right yeah. side of the face or left side of the face. What was your guys' reaction in the dugout when Trey Mancini? Obviously, he was kind of jogging out of the box. It was like a routine pop up. When he when he crossed home plate, what was that dugout like? Kind of knowing that that might be his last time ever playing at Camden Yards, like as an yeah. Oriole. 
I think every single face had a smile on it. Uh, everybody was laughing, happy, hugging him. You know, it was, it was, it was a great experience. You know, all of us, we know the, the reality and, and the potential for what can occur in the next few days. But I think all of us too just kind of approached it as if it was just another game, you know, but obviously we understand the, you know, the weight that it carries for Trey. So we were super excited for him and thought that was, you know, a really, really fun thing to see. And, and uh, I mean, fuck, dude, talk about a funny play to happen. So it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was good to watch. It was sick, man. And then he slides home and the catcher, like, wasn't even remotely close on the tag. Yeah, like, he just dude, touched... it was, it, honestly, on the Ray side, it was ugly as shit, but we'll take it. Yeah, it was a terrible. <laughs> and I don't even know, is the sun that bad in right field in Camden? Because I've seen a couple times like that, right? Like, do you see that through yeah. BP? Yeah, it sits, like, in the perfect line from where the left fielder's looking in. And then when it, when it stays above the awning in Camden, it's like you can't you can't move around to get it out yeah, of your eyes. You're just fucked. You're just <laughs> fucked. I'm just asking a DH if I'm uh, if I'm an outfit yes. there. You feel bad for that because that, that's going to be all over ESPN, all over Sports Center. So that's a tough it's already look. all over the internet. It's a Hell tough yeah. look for Low. I think his name was. I think it was. It Lowe, is, but... and and he's a great dude. I played against him my, my whole career. Yeah, I heard uh, he's a good dude too. Yeah, he's a great dude. It's not as embarrassing though as like the Jaron Duran, Alex Verdugo. Uh, pot fly they have no idea where it is it's just right behind yeah, them and it's inside the tough. park that's a that's tough, tough one that's that's a tough look but it is definitely a tough look so you guys are in cincinnati right now is that where you guys are at yeah, yeah that's it. i'll be honest with you man i was there a couple weeks ago that is not a pitcher friendly park like no it's all. tiny fucking tiny it's like you i saw i think it was joey Votto when i was there he hit um like a it I was in I was behind the dugout. I was like, oh, that's just like a pop fly. It just kept going and going and going, and it was out in center field. So as a pitcher, you obviously have an idea because you you got to play in Detroit, you got to like play in other ballparks, stuff like that that are pitcher friendly. Are you do you have to tighten it up when you're playing at like Great American and like those hitter friendly parks, stuff like that? Like, is that something that's in the in your mind where it's like, even if it's like kind of a mistake, this might be out? Um, it's something you think about for sure in terms of like game planning. Uh, not too much changes that you don't deviate too much from it. Maybe, you know, you know, okay, this is a good fly ball hitter. So maybe I don't want to challenge him as much up in the zone and give him a chance to get some up in the air, um, you know, things like that. But as a whole, um, you, you try and not carry too much weight with it, with your preparation. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's awesome for the aspect of like, you get to like travel and stuff like that. And speaking about the travel, I got to go into this. So I love the off-field shit. I love the off-field stuff, obviously, just the extracurriculars. What's your favorite thing about being a big leaguer? Like, what's the what's something that you could describe to the listeners as, like, this is big league? Is it the is it the meals you guys get, the, the charter flights, the hotel? Like, what is it where it's like, I'm in the show right now? What's your favorite thing? Uh, probably the flights. Probably the show flights. Because you know we we don't have we don't have a show plane. Not many not many teams have show planes anymore. Yeah, I think like the Rangers and the A's have them. But it, um, regardless, I mean you're you're taxied out onto the jetway. Like you're not you don't have to go through security. You don't have to do anything. That. You're you know caravan out to the jetway, hop out, hop on the you know roll away stairs that go up to the plane. Get on the plane. You got your own row. You got you know full basically open bar you know we got beverages we got um like three course meals you know I mean, it's just it's pretty wild I mean, it's just there's no rules on this flight you don't have to put your fucking phone in airplane mode you don't gotta put your seatbelt on if you don't want to <laughs> you know you can just 
you can fucking stand up. Some of the some of the pilots are pretty cool um, to where they'll let you like go up for takeoff or or uh, for landing, go sit up in the cockpit. Um, so it's just like it's it's a much more relaxed uh, atmosphere and, and uh, experience. You know what Spencer Strider said last week? He said, and by the way, credit to me for name dropping again. Spencer Strider, ever heard of him? He said it was the laundry. It was being able to go to the field and you're just, <laughs> it's like your shit is all clean. You don't have to worry about like putting in the, in the washer, dryer, shit like that. He said that's his favorite part. It's just the laundry, which is a wild <laughs> thing. I mean, you guys get whatever you want. You have clubbies that go get tens, tens for you guys, whatever. Yeah. But his yeah. favorite part was the fucking laundry. That's like, hilarious. is that is that wild to say? That is wild. I mean, it's true. I mean, when it comes to like on field laundry, everything's clean, hung up for you. Shoes are cleaned. I mean, looking brand new every time. Everything's organized organized for you. And then if you bring in some laundry, that shit's done right away, clean, folded, ready for you. I mean, yeah, it's you. You said it too. I mean, you got you got phenomenal clubbies that take care of us and, and are there to do you know whatever we may need. That is sick. That is so sick. And, and speaking about the laundry and like the jersey shit like that. So we've had a couple of guys. I've never actually mentioned this on the show, but there's like rules to keeping your game jerseys. What are the rules for the Orioles? Like how many jerseys do you get to keep a year? So the Orioles usually do one jersey a year and then you can purchase. Yeah. The, the other ones for like 200, right? Like 200 yeah, they're like, I think they end up being like 180 bucks, something like that. Two, 180 to 220 is I think the range they're usually in. Oh, okay. Because every team is different. Because I think, yeah, Bryson, uh, Bryson said to me, you the Phillies, they get one jersey of each. So like they get the home one, the away one, the alternate one, and that like that's all free. They pay for the rest of them, which is like I don't know how you need the rest. There's like that's five jerseys you're getting right there. But so yeah, you got, right. you only get to keep one. <laughs> you only get to keep one. Yeah, that's now that is what was the um, the rule last year. But we got a brand new clubhouse manager. Uh, this year so and it's been much more you know they're handing out stuff like last year the clubhouse manager we had last year his name was um i don't remember his first name but his last name was goof and he was super old school if you're a rookie don't even look him in the eyes he's probably gonna slap you across the face so <laughs> like it was just you didn't you, you you didn't really you couldn't you didn't get all the extra shirts you know that if you needed anything he was super frugal with that stuff um, but the new guy we've had, his name's Freddie. He's been, he's been at Camden Yard since it opened. He's been the Baltimore Ravens guy for the last 30 some years. I mean, the guy's got feel and he's been phenomenal. I mean, you need anything, it's in your locker right away. You, you know, you need anything to take care of. He's got you. So it's a completely different, different atmosphere. So I'd imagine that could change a little bit. Maybe we get one of each, but I know last year it was, you get one, which was my debut Jersey. And then you had to purchase from there. So what's the, what's the deal with the number 80? What, what's the deal with that? Is that something that was given to you or is that a chosen number? So that was given to me. Um, that was just what my debut Jersey was. And I always told myself that I would not change it until I accrued a full year of service time which I accrued right before the all-star break, the day of the Chicago start. So now I'm in the process of trying to figure out what I want to change. It to. So how, how pissed are some of the fans going to be um, who have like a Spencer Watkins 80 Jersey? Like what's the deal with that? So I've thought about that too. I've always been like, shit, like have people purchased these jerseys and now that I changed my number, they're going to be pissed off. But um, you see around the ballpark, you see a lot of like John means is, I think what was it? It was like 67 or something was yeah. his debut jersey. 
you see those jerseys around or you see, you know, stuff like that. So I think, I think people will be okay with it. Maybe it just gives them a reason to buy another one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Increased jersey sales for the boys. You love to see Hell that. Yeah. But Hell yeah. Licensing. So what is your jersey though? Like what's the number that you want? Like what's the Mona Lisa number for you? The, my number that I've always had is 31. Um, probably not going to get that number. Seeing as Cedric Mullins has it. Yeah, he'll be there for a while. So, yeah, yes. I don't know about that. Maybe go 32. Is there a 32? Uh, I think – is someone 32? I don't know. I can't remember. I have to check that. I feel like someone is. But um, someone I always loved growing up was Randy Johnson. So, 51 was a thought. But Austin both has that one. Um, so, 52 is something I was thinking about. So 32 is actually not taken. I just did the research. Credit to me. Pat on the back. 32 is not taken. Uh, so you said, what, what number you say? You said 50, 52. 52. Yeah, that's not taken either. I think 30, I think 32 is the most pitcher number of all time. I could be biased because of like Roy Holiday and shit like that. Cause he's like <laughs> the goat, but I think 32 has to be like 32 is like this guy fucks. Like that's the number that you go with there. I think that's, that's the all time number. 32. 32 is a pitching number, right? Like that, like yes. if I'm looking at pitcher, I'm like, that's a pitching number. There's like certain numbers that are like the single digit yeah. type of shit. 30s and 50s are usually pitcher numbers. Yeah. Dean Kramer, 64. That's a pitcher number as well. Like uh, that's just the, and yeah, about Bautista, 74, which is electric. That's just the most random yeah, number that's of all it. time. He needs to be like double zero or something. <laughs> that is electric. That is very true. But uh, obviously, like I said, you've been, the, you, you just accrued a full year of service time. And I always ask this to the show guys, you haven't been to, you haven't been to Toronto yet, have you? Uh, I was there end of the year last year. Okay, so what's the fa- what's your favorite city that you visited so far in your big league career? Like the nicest, like cleanest, just t- stuff like that, like best sites and all that type of shit. Uh, Toronto's up there in terms of the cleanest and like the nicest, newest. I would say, um, loved loved Toronto. Didn't get a chance to go out too much because we'll our- figure it out. You're here in a couple of weeks. We'll figure it yeah, out at we'll that time. Sure. I'll, I'll we'll, be there. We'll- I'll be there. We'll go tie it on somewhere. And then uh, um, I love Boston. I think overall my favorite is Boston, just with Fenway, yeah. the history of the town. I The the city itself is beautiful. Um, hate New York. Hate it. Not my, not my cup of tea. I hate it too. Um, where else have we gone? That's cool. Um, Tampa is whatever. Tampa's Tampa. The trough is terrible, but Tampa itself is cool. But, you know, there's cooler places. Um, I liked playing in Oakland strictly because we stayed over in San Francisco. Really? That was really cool. Yeah, San Francisco was super cool. Fuck, liked yeah, that I've never a lot. been to California. Yeah, dude, definitely. I, growing up in Arizona, we'd go to California for, you know, vacations and stuff like that. So, um Playing in LA, playing in San Francisco is cool. Who else? I honestly, Boston's really like my favorite. Yeah, Boston looks sick, and the fans there are fucking ruthless. They really are. They really are they ruthless. Are. They're, they're fucking. But they're better than like New York. New York, it's just people there to just fucking be mad at you and yell. At they're you. pieces of shit. I get like I get DMs from Yankee fans because the Jays podcast I do. I get DMs from Yankee fans all the time. Like fuck you, man. You don't know fucking nothing. Like <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I like, they'll be like, have you ever played baseball before, bro? Like what <laughs> it's just yeah they're dumb they're so they just dumb. want to be mad at someone it's that's all it is boston yeah. they're ruthless but they've got a good feel for the game i loved chicago wrigley the white Sox was cool in its own way that's a gnarly fan base 
Um, but like uh, Wrigley, you know, the Chicago Cubs fans were super great. Um, that was a cool experience. Yeah. And we got to talk about yesterday. Obviously, it was Mo Gaba Day. Or am I pronouncing yep. that correct? Yep. Mo Gaba. Uh, yeah. That guy, uh, kid's a legend, man. Uh, obviously, tra- like tragic, obviously, what he had to go through and shit like that. But what was it like around the park there yesterday for Mogaba? It was the first ever one, right? First ever Mogaba yeah, day. That was, uh, it was the second one, but it was last year was the first one, but it was in the midst of our, you know, struggling during the season. Yeah. Second part of COVID. It was just yeah. a different feel. Yesterday was awesome. Dude. There was an energy from before the gates even opened. You could feel it. The day was beautiful. Weather was awesome. Um, there, yeah, there was just a different kind of a buzz at the ballpark. That was really, really cool. Um, and then obviously for that to happen for Trey at the end, you know, we joked around, people were joking around saying, you know, that was Mo shining into Lowe's eyes before he took the right <laughs> hook. Uh, but, uh, you know, just shit like that, but there was, just, it was a super cool energy around the field and, and, uh, you got to see his mom and then all the fans with signs and everything showing their support. So just a really cool experience. all around. That, And obviously a lot of the time, like there's negative shit shined in sports and stuff like that, but that's the cool thing, man. Like, especially what the Orioles did for him and what they're doing for his family, having a Mogaba day uh, every year, they're going to have that. I believe it's going to be for the yeah. Baltimore Orioles, which is sick and uh, just raise awareness for that and stuff like that. Uh, awesome. So you got to, you got to meet the family and stuff like that as well. Yeah. So uh, the, I got to briefly meet the mom last year. Um, she came through and we were in the dugout when she came by, I got to meet her briefly. Didn't get to see her this year. Uh, they did a little bit more stuff on field and as the starting pitchers, we go out and watch the starting pitchers bullpen and everything. So I didn't get a chance to see them this year, but um, yeah, they'll, they'll come around and, and say hi to everybody. And stuff That's like so that. sick. And I'll completely off topic. How electric is Brian Baker's walkout song levels by Avicii? Does that not get the boys going a little bit? Like, cause he said they sometimes don't even play it because obviously they're doing like the weird between inning shit, but yeah. Have you got the chance to hear levels on full blast and the uh, when Brian Baker is warming up? Because, like I said, that might be the greatest walk up song ever. We have levels forever, we'll get the boys buzzing always. Um, the shittiest part and the thing that they really need to change in Camden is the speaker system. It's old, right? Really vintage it type. Sucks. It sucks. It's not like it sounds like someone parked their car outside of the stadium and just <laughs> opened all their doors. Yeah. So there, that's that's something that's been like a constant back and forth with the the players and the operations. We're like, can we please just turn this up? And they're like, if we turn this up, we're gonna explode the speakers. So yes, we've been able to hear his his song. I think if we're in like Toronto and you have that speaker system and that's oh playing, that speaker system, holy fun. shit! But yeah, I mean when it when it when it comes on, it's it's a banger for sure. And uh, yeah, so this is this this is the second last thing I want to talk about. So I want I always like I said I love the off field shit. I love the minor leagues. You've been you were been a you've been a grizzled minor league vet for a while. Do you have any funny minor league stories? Like a funny fan interaction? We've had. I always say this again. I hate fucking repeating myself like every episode, but we've had stories of fans climbing foul poles with machetes, fans waiting outside of people's buses. We've had gunshots in the middle of games, like just like stop the game. There's gunshots in right field. Do you have any like funny, hilarious, like just out, just out of sorts type of minor league stories in your career? Um, I've got so many different ones. Uh, let's see. There was, there was a year in the Florida state league that we had, um, fans trying to like break into who was it? It was maybe it was Casey Mize or Matt Manning. 
like get it, trying to get into their hotel room for autographs, like at their hotel room door, like trying to get in, like calling the front desk saying they need keys, like crazy shit. Um, that, that happened before, uh, we were in, it was, it had to have been 2016, I think we're in Lake County, Ohio, and the bullpen for Lake County, Ohio is like tucked into the like left field corner on the field, but like tucked into the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And so there's a big tall wall on the side of it. Um, Cause the field's kind of sunken down and there's fans that can stand up top there and look down into the bullpen. So the guy who we were, I was a starter, but I was sitting in the bullpen at the time, hanging out with the guys. And we would do the whole, you know, put a cup out and have the kids, you know, if you throw a quarter in the cup, give you a ball. And so these kids kept throwing, kept missing, kept missing. Um, and then one of the kids was like, if I bring you a bunch of hot dogs, can I have a ball? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, bring the hot dogs and we'll throw you a couple of baseballs. Like, Absolutely. So the kid comes back with like six hot dogs. They're all wrapped up and everything. We're like, okay, cool. He throws them down. We throw him like three baseballs. He runs off. We open each of these hot dogs. It's more hot dog wrappers just stuffed into a hot dog wrapper. No. So we got duped out of no hot dogs for three baseballs. This kid that played is us. scumbaggery. This that kid, kid played us. Perfectly. That kid went on to be like an internet hacker. Like that kid is a scumbagger. Oh, 100%. That dude's on fucking – that dude's making – casino heist at this i don't point. know who i hate more now is that kid or zach hampel <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to think like if i hate zach hampel more than that kid like I, it's a toss-up i hate i hate foul ball guy the most so i'm trying to think who i hate more is zach hampel or him but whatever that kid's a clown show for that i mean you got a thousand iq though so you got to kind of tip your cap with that because it is kind of right. sick but right. yeah so this is the last thing i want to talk about i always go into it like uh remainder of the year obviously um this will drop probably after your next start so i'm gonna make predictions six innings Two earned runs, five punchies, two pitching ninja videos. Uh, I always have to have the pitching ninja videos to that. But first of all, who are you starting again next? I don't even have that in front of me. And what is your like kind of goal going into the rest of the year? Because obviously you found success now. So you know what it tastes like. You know what, like what, when you're firing on all cylinders, you know what it looks like. What's your, like, what's your goals going into the rest of this year? Yeah, I've got I've got Texas the first game against the Texas series. Oh, they're poverty. Spot. You're they're poverty. You're, all right, you're, you should be good for that. Chill. Right. <laughs> and uh, goal for the season is just to maintain. Like I don't want to focus too much on like, oh, I want to get my ERA below two, or you know, I don't want to focus on stuff like that. I want to focus on maintaining quality preparation throughout the week. Quality, you know, quality starts each time I go out, giving the team a chance to win um, executing the best of my abilities, you know, just the basic stuff like that. Um, and then also just really fucking soaking it in with the boys. I mean, this playing in the big leagues is so, I mean, it's, it's something that a small percentage of people get to do and it's not guaranteed for very long. So just soaking in and how much fun we're having with this group. I mean, I'm sure bake mentioned it. Like this team is phenomenal. It's one of the best teams I've ever been on in terms of the quality of human beings that are in the clubhouse, the quality of leadership, the quality of camaraderie. I mean, it's just been night and day difference. So just maintaining the physical ability, um, you know, progress is great and always appreciated, but maintaining and then just soaking it in with these guys and just really enjoying, you know, each minute and each game, each time we have together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that who knows, man, some, some guys play their whole career, never making the playoffs or never like being on a right. team that's in a playoff push. So 
like it, it, it's definitely something you get to kind of take a step back and kind of realize like, wow, like I'm on a team right now that's competing at a very high level in the major leagues that are that's competing for a playoff spot. It, it's something that you probably get taken away from just kind of how fast it is being a big leaguer and just how fast it flies by and stuff like that. But have right. you, yeah. Have you gotten a chance to kind of step back and look where you came from and be like, Holy fuck, dude, I can't believe I'm a big leaguer right now. Like, is that something that you say on a daily basis? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely something that's commonly thought of like, wow, like this is like, there's certain moments where it's like, when I walked out to Wrigley, when I walked out the tunnel and, and saw the field for the first time, it was like a, you know, a holy fuck moment of like, I'm a big figure, you know, I was, a, I was grinding, you know, five years ago and now I'm at this point in my life. So there's, there's certain moments that kind of flash that, you know, wow, soak this in, this is, you know, super unique, super special. Um, and, you know, all these types of moments, like I just cherish these moments with my teammates, these experiences, you know, more than just about anything. Yeah. And one thing that I do have, uh, so Edwin Jackson came on this podcast a while ago and he said, I think he, what he said was maybe this was off the record. One thing he wishes he did during his big league career when he was starting out was capturing the moments on his phone. Cause I don't know if there was phones back then of just like, for example, you walking out of the tunnel at Wrigley, something that you can kind of look back on when you have kids and just be like, this was like, yeah. I got to see this shit. Do you do that? Like, do you take pictures oh, of yeah. everywhere you go? I've got a video of Wrigley on my phone right here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dude, Cause I've that's something every, that he did say he wishes he did. I try and take a video of every uh, stadium that we go to, whether it's just like a panoramic video or just a picture or whatever. I try and get something. I try and capture as many memories as I can for sure. Yeah, that's electric. So anyways, man, it was a pleasure to have you on. Obviously, long overdue. I told I told Gator we had to get you on, obviously. But I just wanted to space, space out. I can't do Baker and you back-to-back, and I'll just be a Centric Oreos podcast. But <laughs> it was a good time to get you on, man. And uh, the O's are hot. I'm fired up to see what you do, man. You keep, you're finding success now. You're starting to get in that groove, starting to get more comfortable, which it takes a while in baseball, obviously, to do that type of shit. So I'm fired up to see what you do, man. Hopefully, you get the officially unofficial bump that Spencer Strider got. I think he went seven innings, eight punchies. The two days after you came on the pod. So hopefully you get the same bump. I'm hoping you do because that'd be awesome for the brand. But uh, keep doing your thing, man. Fire up, see what you do rest of the year. Hell yeah, Johnny. I appreciate it, man. I love your show, dude. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.